Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. And once again, you are eternally connected. Thank you so much for joining us. We're glad you're here. This is Pastor Eric J. from St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska, who sponsors this show, where we bring you the Word of God, the power of our salvation, and the only rule and norm for truth and for truly living in the joy of God and joy of Jesus our Lord. Joined in studio, as always, by Chip Thompson, Jason Eisenman. We are one week away officially from Christmas Eve. Are you ready? I am. It is a joyful time of the year, but boy, it has flown by. It sure has. It uh, seems like it goes faster every every year. Get all your shopping done? Oh, yeah. And, you know, oh, yeah. Just Amazon. Just yeah, click, yeah, click, Amazon click, click, makes click, it click. so easy. <laughs> but Whatever uh, happened to the gift of stress and driving everywhere and malls crammed with people? You don't miss that at all? I really don't. <laughs> But let's let's take a minute to, you know, all the shopping that happens and all the decorating that happens. You know, of course, uh, grew up with Santa Claus as a important figure, but it, it is an extra joyful time of the year when there's really, truly something to celebrate if you understand it. The Savior that has been born and that has come to us. And because he came the first time, uh, we have that assurance that he is coming, as he said, a second and final time. And that's kind of the dual focus of Christmas, a Savior who has come and is coming. And at St. Mark, we're going to be celebrating that Savior who has been born with two Christmas Eve services on the 24th, one at 4 o'clock p.m. and another one at 6 o'clock p.m. at St. Mark Lutheran Church here in Omaha. We're going to have a full orchestra, a choir, uh, wonderful worship and praise together, uh, God willing, a good sermon that's going to be preached. Uh, but we'd love to have you join us if you don't have a home church or you just like to visit us. You can go to stmarkomaha.org. That's stmarkomaha.org for all the details. But again, a 4 o'clock and a 6 o'clock p.m. on Christmas Eve. Until then, we've got to get through another show here. We sure do. And we've got lots to jam in. We're going to hopefully be fin- finishing chapter 2 of Galatians after we get to two listener questions. Yeah, that's that cool. Have. So we're grateful for that. Chip, why don't you pray for us and we'll dive in. Okay. Heavenly Father, you are our most gracious, merciful God. Help us to remember the son you sent who we celebrate at Christmas and keep us mindful of the reason why you needed to send Jesus to save us from ourselves, to save us from our sin, Lord. Lead us this morning as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, Pastor, as you mentioned, uh, we actually do have two listener questions. Uh, The first question comes from Kelly. Pastor, in your series on people of the book, you were talking about the Trinity, and we can see each person of the Trinity present at creation, but I was unclear on how 
you said we see Jesus, the Son, present in the creation account. You said we see Jesus when God spoke everything into existence because Jesus is the Word made flesh, as the Gospel of John says. But the Bible also says Jesus is the light of the world. So when God said, let there be light, wasn't he creating Jesus? Good question. Um, uh, uh, Kind of a good connection, but I think um, uh, we don't want to conclude that uh, Jesus has been made by God because he says, let there be light. Um, And then later it says that uh, Jesus himself says he's the light of the world. I, I think we need to acknowledge two different things. One, uh, John chapter one, as Kelly rightly said, says the word of God became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And before that, it says the word was God and was with God. So you have this word that's both with God and God at the same time. So it's both him and next to him. And so to the Jewish mind and really to the Greek mind too, this word is kind of the, the authority the person, the power of God. And we get that in passages like Colossians 1, that all creation was made through Jesus and nothing was made without him. So the father creates everything, but he decides and desires and did create everything through the son. And he did it through Jesus by speaking because Jesus is the word made flesh. So when God says, let there be light, He's not creating Jesus as the light of the world. No, Jesus is the one through whom all things are made. That's literally physically light being made. And Jesus would later liken himself to light, not saying that he is light, but he is the light of a dark and sinful world. And the way you're referencing Jesus to light, I I took that as, and I just want to make sure I'm understanding, you walk into a dark room and you flip on the light, you're not scared. You can see everything. Yeah, he's certainly Jesus. When he says, I am the light of the world, he's not referencing Genesis chapter one. He's making it more like a, an analogy, right? Yeah. Like I'm, I bring truth and light into a dark world. So two, two separate things, but I could see how you could connect those. Uh, we certainly won't say that Jesus was ever created. What we say is he's eternally begotten, which is a big word for saying he's eternally proceeding, uh, being carried forth from the Father. So there's a never, never a time where he wasn't. Always a time where he's being begotten of the Father, right? Jesus was never created. He's the uncreated one, just like God, just like the Spirit. He, he's, he was never not with God. Kind of like we say in the Athanasian Creed, uh, and even in the Nicene Creed, he's the very s- equal substance with God, equal person, equal in deity, separate in person. So he's eternally begotten, born of God, but eternally born of God. Never, never not born of God. And it's definitely a mystery, uh, just yeah. like the spirit is proceeding from the father through the son, but eternally proceeding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot to wrap your head around there. Um, and a good question and good answer. Probably never going to understand it as a human, but. No, you're not going to understand the Trinity. I think the, the really important part when we were in that series on the people of the book is that we see those persons there from the very beginning of creation. They're all there. And that's the takeaway. Kind of like we're going to talk about in the Christmas story. um, We we don't understand how the Virgin Mary 
gives birth to Jesus, but a virgin does. We can't tell you biologically how that works, but it happened because yeah. it did. Good question. Yeah. Well, the second question, uh, as a follow-up, uh, Glenda asks, I've asked several people but never have gotten a logical answer. Why did God create cancer? Cancer was found in dinosaur bones long before man existed. Why? Do you have an answer? Uh, um, yeah, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately, um, I don't think by by the words in your question that it's probably going to satisfy you because um, it sounds, Glenda, like you're really wanting a logical answer, right? That's that's what she said in her question. You've never gotten a logical answer to why God created cancer because it's found in dinosaur bones. And the assumption here, uh, and it's held by most, is that dinosaurs existed before mankind, Right, um, And I say it's an assumption because contrary to what most people actually understand and know, um, that's not necessarily true. <laughs> the earth is not necessarily 64 billion years old. That is certainly one scientific analysis of the age of the earth. Um, there is an equally valid analysis that the earth is far younger than that. And actually a surprising amount of evidence in the Bible. I mean, you have in scripture several references to, to words we currently use for those types of animals still today. Leviathan, mm -hmm. behemoth. Those are literally Hebrew words that we've transliterated into English and some others like tanin that are used for dragon or sea monster um, that are in Job. I mean, if you read the book of Job, God is honestly saying, look at that behemoth. And it's described as a lizard with a tail like a cedar tree. That's pretty big. A cedar tree for a tail. Okay. So you can't say that the Bible doesn't mention dinosaurs just because it doesn't use that word. It doesn't mention Trinity either. And yet it clearly teaches it. Every, every culture and society of man, since we've had the ability to do archeology span and find writings and pottery um, that suggests mankind lived with dinosaurs. Um, you, you'd be surprised if you actually dug deep enough, um, pun intended there, by the way. I, on, I on, heard that. <laughs> Um, to, to see uh, outside of the Bible, which I'm not saying is more authoritative, I'll get to the Bible in a second because it is the chief authority, um, but we, people have been drawing pictures of, of even people riding on giant lizards and dragons um, for as long as we have documented history. Um, you know, it's a popular belief, but not necessarily a dogmatic one, that dinosaurs existed before men. Um, I personally uh, lean towards a younger earth, but ultimately at the end of the day, for me as a Christian, um, the answer to this question is resolved not by did dinosaurs live before or after the fall of man, but what the Bible actually says. So I answer this question as a Christian pastor who believes that the Bible is the only rule and norm for truth and authority. And what the Bible says is clear. Uh, death entered the world because of sin, period. So th there is no other explanation for cancer other than the sin of mankind. So whatever we're finding, whatever our quote-unquote science reveals to us, for the Christian, that is held up against the word of God, and that is how we handle what we find. 
Um, so if science is coming back and says, well, God must have created cancer because dinosaurs existed before men, the Christian says, well, I, yeah, I understand that's what the science says, but what the Word of God says is no, um, death was not introduced, nor was there any abnormality or sickness or cancer introduced into creation until after the fall of mankind. Um, and that's where I'm going to stand. And time and time again throughout history, this would not be the first instance where science appears to say something contradictory, but then eventually science catches up to scripture and there's a resolution. Romans 5 says that through one man, death entered the world because one man sinned. And he's talking about Adam. So That's a big statement right there. Well, yeah. Otherwise, here's the problem. Uh, if you say that cancer and dinosaurs and death was in the world, including the death of animals, was in the world before Adam came, then there's no consequence of sin. And I would suggest that that's why the evolutionary teaching uh, is insisted upon by those that don't believe in God, because it, it on its surface, suggests that sin is inconsequential. It doesn't matter because if there was already death, if there was already cancer before man existed and we're proving that with dinosaurs, then the fact that Adam and Eve fell into sin really doesn't matter. And now because sin doesn't matter, a savior doesn't matter, Jesus doesn't matter. So for the Christian, it's a non-starter. The Bible says death and sin, cancer and everything entered the world through sin. So I am not going to worship science. I'm going to stand on what the word of God says. And so my answer to that question would be, God did not create cancer. And in Romans 8 makes this clear also, Glenda, um, that the creation is longing for deliverance because of what we brought into the world through our sin. And, and we're faced with either believing the science, which changes, which has been wrong, or the word of God that has never proven wrong. And so we stand on uh, God did not create cancer, and even if there's cancer in dinosaur bones, um, that, doesn't, that doesn't prove God made it because the Word of God says this. Regardless of where you come down on old earth, young earth, regardless of where you come down on dinosaurs, the Bible's clear on this teaching. Death and suffering and cancer came from man's sin. That is a clear teaching of Scripture. And we always, as Christians at least, Interpret what we don't understand with what is clearly taught in Scripture. And that is clear. Sin and death and suffering of all kinds came from Adam and Eve's fall into sin. And then fast forward to what we're about to celebrate. He did something about it. Because, Absolutely. Because we couldn't. Absolutely. And he didn't expect us to come to an understanding of all of it before he did it. And neither are we going to be satisfied with a logical understanding of things. Speaking of Christmas, we can't logically understand uh, the Virgin Mary giving birth. Right. Uh, we can't logically understand how Elizabeth conceived in her old age, but we, we believe it because God said so, just like he said, I'm going to die and rise again from the dead. And he did. And again, that is the Christian belief. If you're, if you're not a Christian, um, I, I will pray for you, but that answer is not going to make a lot of sense. But that is the truth. Well, thanks for the question, Glenda. I hope that helps. Um, we need to get rolling into Galatians chapter 2 if we're going to hope to finish today. So open your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 2, verse 15. 
And just a little bit of background, uh, Paul, for the first chapter and a half here, has been addressing some lies that have been creeping into the churches in Galatia that he planted early in his missionary work uh, and was heartbroken that they were starting to believe the lie that salvation requires you to do something. In this case, it was circumcision. And some Jews from Jerusalem were stirring the pot, trying to deceive these people, uh, primarily for influence and power, uh, accusing Paul of the same thing, preaching a gospel just because it was uh, a gospel of grace uh, that came freely just because uh, he wanted the popularity of men. But as we talked about last time, Paul said, look, if I was out for the popularity of men, I wouldn't be preaching Jesus. It's clearly because you're attacking me. It hasn't brought me <laughs> the popularity you're accusing me of. Um, and so he goes at length to describe his background as a Pharisee, as a Jew, who once believed the very lie they're producing and saying, look, this is not it. Christ himself came to me, me of all people who is killing Christians because they weren't, quote-unquote, following the law and revealed to me the truth that salvation comes by grace through faith. And after giving that extensive background and saying, look, this is the truth and here's the evidence of it in my own life because I was such a wretched man and God has yet saved me, he begins in verse 15 by saying, we ourselves are Jews by birth, and not Gentile sinners. Yet, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So... Um if you're if you're talking randomly through uh, coworkers and friends and family about faith, the belief or the faith in Jesus Christ, have you ever had that be reckoned to work? The that actually being called work. Absolutely, and the way that usually comes across is you have to make a decision for Jesus. Um, and, and I know we preach this a lot on this show, but we have to because this is the lie of our time. The lie of Paul's time was you have to be circumcised. The lie of our time is you have to make a decision for Jesus. You have to choose him and make him your Lord and Savior by coming to this altar call or by making a decision for him in your heart. That is making faith, as you're talking about, that is making faith a work that you have to perform and that you're responsible for. And I think any honest person that's honest with themselves, if you look in the mirror, how strong do you think your faith is? You're going to be saved based off of your faith performance in life and and how whole, how strongly you hold on to Jesus? And no, that can't be it. Any person I think has to say, no, faith is not my work because if it is, I'm doing a horrible job. Yes. I've, I would agree, but I've had conversations where people stand on a hill and will die on that topic. <clears throat> yes, yes, and and that is very common. And and I think that 
you're right, Jason, when it comes to this role of faith in the life of a Christian, uh, it's a hill people die on because they're, they're wanting to win an argument and not necessarily taking a long, hard look in the mirror <laughs> and, and being honest with themselves about their own faith. I think I've found uh, the couple people that have professed that same position. I think it's telling that the majority of the time the conversation centers around, well, I made that my decision to give my life to Jesus at this point in my life. In that very common Americanized Christian vernacular, the emphasis is on the very date and time that they gave their life to Christ. And if you think about it, where's the focus? It's on what me. Right. I gave, and that alone, because of the emphasis is on me, uh, I, I actually call that me-vangelicalism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's me, 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 yeah. you know, yeah. and, and it's tragic. Yeah, and it's tragic because that, that is the very temptation the devil comes to us with and that he came to Adam and Eve with is, is to put ourselves in the place of God. Scripture's clear. No one can confess that Jesus is Christ except by the Holy Spirit, which means that if you're confessing Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you may be making that confession, but you've only made it because of God's Spirit and the work he's done in you, not your work of creating faith in yourself. And you also have Jesus who says, no one can come to me unless what? The Father Father. draws him. Mm -hmm. So even if you're coming to me as Lord— you're only coming to me because of what my father has revealed to you. So you can't take credit for it. But that's exactly what we want to do is we want to say, I'm saved because I gave. I'm saved because I. It, there's no hope in any of that. If you say, I'm saved because I fill in the blank, you're going to come to a point of despair at some point because you fail. I fail. If the sentence is, I'm saved because God, now you can rest assured your salvation is secure no matter what you have done or failed to do, because God and what he has done. And that's what Paul means when he says we are justified by faith alone. It is not a faith in me. Faith is only as powerful as the object in which you place your faith. So if your faith is in your faith, you have a lot to fear and despair of. But if your faith is in his faithfulness to you, That is something to celebrate, that as the Psalms say, when we are faithless, he is faithful. That is the hope of my salvation, not my faithfulness to him, because let me be very clear, even my best works, as Isaiah says, even my most righteous deeds are like filthy rags, but his deeds, they are perfect. They endure. They are what save me. And this should be a really easy thing for us to understand as those who live on the, the best side of Easter. <laughs> right. Right? We get to look back. What do you mean by the best side of Easter? I, it is finished. It's done. Okay. I don't have to look forward to the coming of the Messiah. And we, of all people, shouldn't. I can understand why the Jews struggle with this a little bit. Because they're looking forward to this coming of the Messiah. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's got to come. And, and yeah, I kind of have a little bit more understanding for getting wrapped up in my own righteousness as I'm waiting for that. But us getting to look back and say, hey, before I was even a zygote in my mother, 
He already died for my sins. At what point do I get to claim credit for anything when it comes to my salvation? We should, we should be the ones that understand my faith itself isn't even a work. It, it can't be. Faith in what? Faith in me? If Jesus didn't come and do this, I wouldn't have anything to put my faith in anyway. So it's your faith is only as powerful and as assuring as that in which or he whom in which you put your faith. So you have to ask yourself, is your faith in you? Is your faith in your faith? Or is your faith in him? If your faith is in him, then you won't find yourself saying, I know I'm saved because I. Well, to that point, the three of us here and everybody else on the planet have no choice in making life other than the actual act of reproduction well even then the odds are pretty slim yeah so isn't his faith in us at the very moment he just creates that life yeah i mean this is part of what the psalmist says when look it's, it's just open your eyes and, and you a fool can see that god exists right so there's some basic element to where yeah if i'm understanding your question correctly um you know the faith he puts in us is at an elementary level within us from birth because we're born at all. From that point, he's already given us everything. We just choose to reject it. Sure, yeah. I think what you want to say, if I'm hearing you correctly, is God has given us every reason to have faith. Right from the beginning. Right from the beginning. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And yes, the only reason we are condemned is because we reject what is plainly obvious especially when the word of God comes to us in its clarity and says, you were dead in your sin and trespasses. I think, I think there's some, uh, when you're born and how you're raised and the people you're around and your environment mm -hmm. can, can aid whether you're willingly rejecting or just willingly not even being taught or understanding or having the opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, my pulpit on Sunday morning is not the most important pulpit that exists. The, the, the pulpit from which God intended his truth to be proclaimed was the pulpit of the kitchen table, the pulpit of the home. Parents, going all the way back to Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you will teach these things to your children. It was intended for Adam and Eve to proclaim God's truth to their children. And that's how it was supposed to be passed down and believed. So yes, that is a God-given priority and, and effect on how you believe, which is why it's so important to preserve the nuclear family. That's why Christians fight so hard for definitions of gender and marriage and all of that, because you're dealing with the fabric of human life and society itself. So yeah, it has immense impact, and that's by design. Yeah, you mentioned the dinner table, but it's easy to run across somebody all the time today. They're like, nah, I just never went to church. Okay, well, I was there once, you know. I think Paul's words in Galatians 2 that we read are, are part of how we can encourage people in that situation. Um, and I think it's just, it's, it's a powerful message that has to be reiterated over and over and over again. We are not justified before God by anything we do or don't do. We are justified only by faith, and that is faith in Him, not me. 
We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com. To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.